Okay. Yep, and we are live. Okay, let me. Uh, I'm refreshing your YouTube page. Aha! Yeah, see? Very fancy. Very fancy. Wow. Oh, hold on. I can see. I can hear my voice with the delay. Oh, yeah, you want to mute. <laughs> you want to mute the stream. Idy tidy. Let me find the Lol, link. That's the... pretty good. What is this? What is what? Okay, nothing. It, <laughs> it's fine. We're. <laughs> it's fine. Listen, it's fine. okay, I am. <laughs> I am absolutely uh, amazing at uh, technology. So. I know how to get shareable link and to post it on Twitter. No, you don't. <laughs> Let's shit on Franks. Let's go. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let me get into this mess. Uh, wait, let me grab our logo. Um, post a tweet. Pin the tweet. Add everyone on our server. Yeah. Add announcements. Why do we have to create a channel to join the chat? Uh, what, really? That's lame. Can't even chat in my own live. Right, <laughs> Oops. I have a voice. Okay. Uh, I kind of want to drop YouTube recommendations in the Kane Skittle server and just be like. You can. Yeah. We're doing a live stream on Darling in the Franks. If anyone interest did oh uh should i paste the twitter or should i just paste the link to the live stream why not okay it's fine we can do a relatively chill thing the i assume the live stream video will be left recorded for other people to see later yeah yeah that's it okay yeah yeah Oh no, now I'm hearing my voice. <laughs> shh, shh, shh. It's okay. We're almost we're almost ready to start. Thanks for being patient. Uh, boom boom. <laughs> Tarek breaks at you aspect ratio. <laughs> Very bad. Right. And um you know, I can't that was that was a clever title. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with it. All right, uh, that being said, hello. Hello, 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 hello. This is the Critical Weeb Theory special live broadcast, which we are doing basically as an apology for <laughs> missing a few video broadcasts this year. Yeah, this is our big, um, <laughs> we hope you accept uh, the contents that we are able to make. Um, hey Jack, 
How's it going? Yeah, how's it going? How's it going, everyone? Um, there's definitely going to be... It usually takes a bit for people to come in, so we will save our hottest and spiciest takes uh, for uh, in just a little bit. Um, but for now, I think it's a good time to uh, say a couple thank yous. Say co- well, first of all, uh, if there's anyone who got this link from like a retweet or a discord or whatever and they're like who who are these assholes I, i'm just here for franks right um i'm a black i see him his pronouns i do uh i do left-wing anime essays and sometimes i record them and it's gotten out of hand and i need help <laughs> um and this is yeah. my best friend since basically we were little kids um, Since we were very, very small, uh, I'm Raghava, my pronouns are anything other than he or she, and I'm Mo's professional enabler. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, I mean, literally, I think if you go, basically every major essay I've written, um, uh, they are credited with being both de facto editor and general smart person. So I really appreciate having them around. See, um, unlike uh, in Frank's, when you have a childhood friend, it's like a normal and healthy relationship and not like a weird, submissive, fetishized relationship <laughs> in which <laughs> in which there's all Franks. sorts of <laughs> all sorts of expectations. Um, yeah. Place on people. Um, I guess I think one place where we can start is just generally going over the background of where this video first formed. I remember back when, before we recorded even the first episode of Critical Weeb Theory, um, we were talking about general bad anime. And for whatever reason, I brought up Conception, the video game. Yeah. And how, against all the odds, there was not only a conception. Hello. Uh, How there was not only a single conception one, but also a conception two. And Mo went to look it up, and he found there was the conception anime. Uh, hold on. I think the stream is being... It's being... Uh... It's giving me like weird notifications. Ha- the stream hasn't gone offline for anyone, has it? It's no, still on, right? It's working. Yeah. Okay. I-, I think it just had like a latency dip, but it's fine now. So- sorry. Okay. <laughs> just Carry just on. keep going. Carry on. But yeah. So, conception. You want to talk about it? Oh, yeah. Um, long before Critical Weave Theory was even. I think we, in general, had the, the idea of, like, we should probably do a video together at some point. But, like, the idea of just, like, doing, like, a dedicated podcast was still, like, not a thing. Um, but I watched on a whim uh, one and one episode only of Conception. Uh, and I was really... It, it really fascinated me. Um, because... So Conception, in case you don't know, um, it's a video game... Uh, that essentially is created uh, for the express purpose of um, convincing young Japanese people that they need to go outside and have kids. 
right? There's apparently three of these games. <laughs> um, and they made an anime. Uh, it came out in fall 2018. And it currently has, I'm not one to put a lot of stock in Mal scores, but it has a 4.70 on Mal, which is atrocious. Like um, SAO and SAO2, I think, uh, which are some of like the two most like culturally disliked anime in just in the fandom in general are both like seven something and six something repeatedly. I think uh, Master Ragnarok, Wester Vine Hedy R is like a six something. Like, a lot of really awful anime really don't get lower than, like, a 6. So, like, the 4.7 is just a universal um, dislike for for conception. A bit about the premise of the show and the game itself. It is an isekai story in which protagonist guy has to make babies with various women and send them into dungeons as his star children to fight evil yeah so like it's not only that like having um having children is good um but having children is literally the thing that will save all of you all like that will save like the entire universe from certain destruction right so it's very on the nose um Uh and i watched the first episode the undertones with it it's like an overall yuck piece yeah it's it's gross but like I watched this episode and I had one thought in the back of my mind. And that thought was conception. Okay. And this is going to be, <laughs> I can already feel uh, the cancellation. Coming. No, okay. <laughs> but um, conception is not as bad as you would think. It's obviously very bad. It's like awful. It's like a really, um, it's like a politically terrible um, uh, piece of work. And it's like, not written great but it's not Mm -hmm. like the worst written anime i think i've ever seen like not by a long shot it is it is fairly coherent the thing about conception that puts people off is not necessarily um it's a bad writing and i don't think it's necessarily the ideas being presented in conception is that it is so blatantly obvious with what it wants to do conception sits you down and it says you know what would be good Having fucking kids, you loser. <laughs> go grab a go grab a trad waifu and start pumping out babies like right now, right? And that's like conception, and people don't like it because it's like very open and like very obvious. And so my thinking was, if there was a show that was exactly like conception, but just like a tiny bit more subtle with the message that it was trying to that I was trying to uh, go across. I honestly think the show would be very, very popular with weebs. Imagine a show that has all of the same messages of uh, please have kids, uh, traditional gender roles are very good, blah, blah, blah. But they wrapped it in a sort of like, they massaged it and say, maybe instead of like an isekai fantasy, more of like a, a science fiction sort of story. Robots in it. You know, yeah, like robots, people like robots. They Aliens. Like mechs. <laughs> what if there was like, instead of like, a really generic looking um man and uh, a girl duo um there was like a eccentric uh female lead with like bright pink hair and like horns and yeah yeah it, we're <laughs> we're talking about franks <laughs> right <laughs> we're talking about franks and um darling and frankston 
actually uh, came out the exact same year as Conception did. Just uh, it came out in winter versus Conception came out in fall of 2018. Um, and Darling Good Franks was absurdly popular. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was the most hype show I think of the year. Um, it 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 reignited I think a lot of like really classic. Uh, a lot of really classic uh, anime fandom stuff uh, like uh, for example waifu wars and um waifu wars i can't th i can't think of much else um but i i i sort of view um darling in the franks which i think we're going to spend most of our time talking about as like the good conception <laughs> by which i mean it, it's not good it's terrible <laughs> It's not well written. I don't like the show. But what I mean is, it is the conception that massages its um, politics. Not enough so that it's, like, not obvious. Because it's still really obvious what it's doing. Mm -hmm. But, like, enough that you don't, like, especially if you're, like, kind of, like, a lonely sort of otaku guy that a lot of these shows are, like, aimed at. You're not, um, it's, like, subtle enough for you to swallow. Whereas Conception was just, like, trying to swallow a knife, right? Um, yeah, okay. So do we do plot summary next? I, I feel yes, like I've been talking. I think we need to start... We should probably start if we're going to talk about what... Uh, hello, hello. Darling Welcome Frank to the stream. ...even is. Uh, we should start by talking about, like, what exactly is the premise of Darling in the Franks. Um, Darling in the Franks takes... Uh, does the impossible and it takes Pacific Rim and makes it lame. <laughs> that is, it takes the core concept of having robots which two people must cooperate to ride and instead of making it a thing about emotional intimacy and uh, partnership, it just makes it about cis-heteronormative sex. Uh which is Thanks, awkward. Luke. We will we will exercise as many demons as we can as we possibly can. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good uh, general summary. Um, specifically, what we have with Franks, uh, uh, we have what does Franks want to be? I think that's a good and interesting question that you could write a whole thing on. Um, but at its core, it's sort of it's like a story inside another story. The, the story that's at the center is the story of uh, the romance between the male and female lead. Um, we have uh, a male lead hero and a female lead zero two. Um, and uh, the two of them are part of uh, a squad of child soldiers um, who uh, gear up to fight aliens uh, in the robots that Rockwell described uh, called Franks. And they must be piloted uh, by male uh, and female pairs um, in the... <laughs> For some unknowable reason. Um, if you see the position <laughs> that the male and female pairs uh, must... I, it's like Frank's isn't subtle. Like, if you see the position that the male and female uh, pairs must ride, it's, like, uh, definitely just, like, missionary-style sex. <laughs> and the... Um, I know, I watched the dub because I'm like that, but, like... At least the first couple episodes. Um, I'm not sure if, like, uh, 
this was true in the original Japanese, when the, the first couple of episodes are just like all the sexual innuendo while they're driving the robots. Um, and so uh, it kind of follows. So all of these kids, essentially, they're kind of locked away from like knowledge that uh, we would think are pretty is uh, pretty standard, right? Uh, they don't really know what puberty is. They don't really know what sex is. They've been like divorced from the world of like romantic and sexual intimacy. And so I guess the idea is that like all the pent up emotions that would normally go into um, uh, high school angst and drama instead goes into being able to pilot the Franks. Um, they're genetically engineered to like, yeah, (laughs) they're genetically engineered to like live for a short amount of time, pilot the Franks and then like die at the age of like 20 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the, in that backdrop, uh, we have hero and zero two, um, zero two is like a genetic experiment. Um, and hero is like, uh, well, they're all genetic experiments, but zero two is like a genetic experiment in the sense that she's like not human. We'll get to it. And we have Hiro, who is also um, exceptional, and they find that um, the two of them are the only people who can pilot a Franks together. And it kind of follows uh, uh, the romance that they develop as they realize that they were um, basically meant for each other, uh, their childhood friends, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so that's like the, the, the core emotional arc of uh, yeah. Darling and Franks. But then there's another story on top of it. And that story is just um, uh, an intense scorn and hatred for, like, all things. <laughs> right. It is, it is a story about uh, society and essentially how uh, Frank sees uh, society was ruined by a whole list of people. Um, I, yes. Who, who okay. ruins it? Before we get too deep into the weeds of that, one mm-hmm. thing I want to point out is one of the most obvious questions that comes up very early in Frank's presentation, uh, where the question is, well, if these robots and writing these robots is a metaphor for sex and gay people exist can gay people get in the robot of darling and the franks no (laughs) (laughs) at first it seems like it might offer anything other than the heteronormative answer but actually it turns out that the strict gender coding on of darling the franks is actually a good thing and somehow a deviation from the norm and this is something we'll get into later yeah but darling the franks frames our uh main squad's unique strict gender roles and cis heteronormativity as a good thing that allows them to pilot the franks better than the other people Right. And this comes out a lot in what can only be considered Darling in the Franks as like homophobia and transphobia. Um, I think there's a moment where one of the characters, uh, she wants to ride in uh, Franks with another girl and they try it and it fails spectacularly. Yeah, her name's uh, Ikono. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the end result is that Ikuno gets trolled, yeah, well, of course, a pistol has to ride in Franks. And this is, I think, the warning signs are there until that point. With Darling the Franks' intentions become... Uh, your mic has... I think you've oh, been dropping no. a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, we'll give that uh, just a sec. Uh, sorry about that. Is it working? Yeah, okay. You're good. Cool. Let's carry on. Yeah. Um, you said... Uh, you were describing Ikuno and how uh, she wants to ride in a Franks with Ichigo because uh, she loves her. Uh, yeah. And it's just like... No, like the Franks doesn't allow this. Um, This is... Yeah. Uh... It's... Or I think the thing I would want to point out mm -hmm. is that this is very much a narrative position that Franks is taking where it's like, it's not, it's creating a world in which homosexuality is strictly not allowed within the confines of the narrative. Well, literally... I want to, I want to complicate this a little bit not too much mm -hmm. because i think you're essentially right on that point um but just uh because i have seen like uh it, it is uh my my uh, duty to do fandom research and so i have seen like what fandoms have kind of talked about um Ikeno and like how the, sh the story handles like gay people in general and so what people will say is that franks does have some sympathy for its gay characters um, in the sense that uh, it doesn't, in the sense that it doesn't literally want to just kill them all, I guess. <laughs> and I'll explain right. what I mean in just a second. <laughs> because um, essentially what it argues is that it is uh, very sad to be in the position of like being gay in society because in a sense... Um, your attraction is not useful for society's main goal, which in this case is piloting Franks, but in real life would be like, I guess, making children. Um, well, and wait, so we don't I, hate I you or anything, and you further. are allowed to exist. However, you're like, like, yeah. the, like the hierarchy between like uh, homosexuality and heterosexuality is very clear, and it is very, yeah, essentially, sure, you can be gay, but you're I just societally impotent because of it, yeah to say that in Darling in the Franks, getting in the robot to save the world is a metaphor for having babies. Oh, yeah. And so while Darling in the Franks doesn't hate anyone who, for example, um, is homosexual or whatever, or gay or lesbian or trans, it hates anyone who doesn't want to have babies. It hates gay people who aren't willing to go in the closet and get into straight relationships with other people. Yeah, that's just kind of... Um, I, I, I kind of... Uh, I blame this a little bit on... I, I think a lot of uh, anime fans... I, I notice this a lot when I like try to talk about like race issues, but I am still like, like a cis dude. And so... Uh, noticing it with like other issues has been a little bit more difficult, but I do notice it quite a bit. Um, yeah, we will get to that. Um, but essentially, there's a there's a big um, 
tendency, I think, among weaves to, like, just sort of, when it comes to, like, issues of representation, to just kind of, like, settle for, like, anything. So, for example, in Franks, the fact that there is a gay character and she's not, like, absolutely despised or whatever, it's, like, good enough, you know, it's doing a good job, right? And, like, a lot of uh, straight people, I think, will speak over like the experiences of like LGBT people and say yeah, like yeah yeah Frank's it's it's just doing great it's 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 doing fine it's doing good it's doing well and it's like well why don't we like sit and like analyze this further like what what is the show actually saying about um um what is the show actually saying uh when it when it um juxtaposes like all of the straight relationships that create children in the show with the kinds of relationships that do not create children. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, but talking about the way Franks treats its relationships is a stepping stone in talking about, I think, I don't, I, I hesitate to say it's something deeper, but another issue that is the way Darling and the Franks treats gender. Um, so one of the things that we know about Darling and the Franks um, from one of their very early episodes is that there is a very strict like gender normative dress code, right? Where the boys wear uh, Ys on their ties and the girls wear Xs on their ties, et cetera, et cetera. Each of them has a very specific place in the Franks um, as to who's mounting and who's being mounted. And <laughs> sorry, it's so stupid. It is really bad. <laughs> Please um, continue. But at first, um, I remember one of the things I was reading about Darling in the Franks because I watched it as it was coming out was that, well, Darling in the Franks has room to be critical of these gender roles, and it does by presenting these roles as the norm from which you know there are exceptions, like Zero Two is presented as someone who doesn't neatly fit into these strict gender roles. But then it turns out in a very, I think, to my mind, baffling artistic direction that our group of protagonists that know about gender, or at least have some conception of gender, ha, conception, <laughs> um, some conceptualization of gender are the exceptions to the rule whereas a majority of the society is a gender abolitionist society where people can form either as you know the mounted person or the word of mouth the franks uh you are cutting out uh again boop boop okay. uh I think you're good. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, like Luke says, like there are a couple of times where a woman tops the guy in the Franks and the series treats it as barely functional, if at all. And even in those relationships, like it's very like confined to the specific things. You want to talk about the nines for a bit? Oh, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the nines and also uh, begin to introduce... Uh, uh, an idea that I think chat has already brought up, which is good. Um, 
And uh, it's just sort of how um, there's a definite split in the story from episodes 1 to 15 and then episode 16 to, what is it, 24? Um, I think both uh, uh, in terms of like the production team, there were like massive changes that took place there, but also story-wise, like the focus of the story um, shifts from being a story about Zero Two to being a story more about society in general. Um, so how do the nines, uh, how do the nines uh, fit into this? Uh, so basically, I mentioned earlier that Zero Two is a... Well, who are the nines? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting into it. All right. So um, I mentioned earlier that Zero Two is like a, gen- like a genetic experiment. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into lore. And I always feel bad getting into lore because explaining lore to me is just like it it, it shouldn't really be necessary um, if the show is like good but we got to do it so um franks posits that um uh back before humans there was another intelligent race called klaxo sapiens um who got into a war with a group of aliens called verm um and these uh, sapiens formed male female um pairs to like become weapons to like fight off the alien invasion and these weapons uh, buried themselves deep in the ground and became klaxosaurus um zero two is a clone of the last remaining klaxosapien uh which is uh the whole thing about her not being human and the nines are um also clones of various klaxosapiens um the nines um they are described essentially as uh being able to take the position of either male or female Frank's drivers. Um, they cannot reproduce, as in they cannot, like, make children, um, but they are, like, interchangeable parts of, like, um, the Frank's piloting system. And as such, they, they not only have uh, no conception of gender, but they are, like, um, actively uh, anti-gender. They see gender as only a thing that only kind of matters when you talk about who's piloting the Franks in which position, and that's uh, literally about it. Um, so to us, as socialists, we're like, that's pretty cool. They're like bucking societal trends, <laughs> right? But Frank's fucking, <laughs> Frank's fucking hates these people. Frank's despises the nines. Um, because oh, essentially, Franks treats not conforming to gender roles as alien. Yeah, Franks so that's treats the sterility as alien, and this is very critical of literally the big evil bad guys of Ape, who control the society of Darling and the Franks are aliens, and their plan is mass sterility, and removing In exchange the for concept happiness of and also communism. <laughs> But we'll yeah. get we'll get to it. <laughs> Removing the concept of gender from people, right? That's yeah. literally what the aliens are doing, and so it's very interesting, or interesting insofar as it's perhaps a bit concerning that Darling and the Franks' conception of what conceptualization of what humanity is is like humans to Darling and the Franks, are beings that procreate and beings yeah. that want to procreate. And so if you're sterile or gay or lesbian or, like, 
outside of those strict confines, Franks literally views you as alien. And that's not, I don't have to reach because it's literally the aliens. Yeah, the aliens say so. <laughs> the aliens, like, say as much. Um, uh, the, the, the aliens are the one who, like, uh, criticize humanity and its differences in, um, in, in gender uh, and sex. It's a little bit hard to talk about, like, what Frank sees as gender and what Frank sees as sex, because, um, of course, the show sees the things as the same thing. Um, I don't but, think Franks actually can tell. Yeah. Um, so we'll do our best uh, to explain this properly. Um, but uh, there, uh, what the nines do and what understanding Zero uh, Two's origins do is um, it kind of turns... Uh, sorry. Okay. It kind of turns... Um, uh, what would be a zero two story if you if you take a look at it from episode one to episode fifteen, her story is essentially um one that we've seen with female characters many times before of essentially what a girl needed in her life was to just find uh the man that she needs right and so she's got like a lot of angst and a lot of um a lot of uh, pent up frustrations and she's uh, antagonistic with the rest of her peers and so on and so forth it's up until she finally finds hero you know her zero darling. to becoming human right through like meeting a man which is already bad on its own through but conforming to society's standards of what a woman should be yeah um but if you also now consider that zero two um, is a nine and so at least, um, and, th and this is one of the problems with Franks of not like s differentiating between gender and sex, because do we read the nines as intersex or do we read them as non-binary or do we read them as both? We don't know. <laughs> we can't because Franks is just that awful. But nonetheless, um, Franks is either, she can be read as either intersex or non-binary. And then her story, therefore is her becoming more human by rejecting um, her classification as neither male or female and um, slotting neatly into uh, uh, a specifically female gender role. There is, a, there is a line, gosh, I wish I'd written this down, but there is a line somewhere where Zero Two basically mentions how um, uh, she can't have children um, and this... Uh, uh, this disappoints her a little bit because um, she would obviously like to um, be able to fully participate in, I guess, what Franks would consider the female experience uh, with the ability to have children with Hero. But like, she can't. She can just get as close to it as humanly possible. And the fact that she can line herself um, to a specific gender role makes her both more human and more complete. So there is that. Yeah. Uh, and, oh boy, does Darling and the Franks have a lot to say about gender. I think, um, there is a bit to say, uh, especially as it relates to the double standard it has between male and female characters. You can probably speak to this a bit more since you paid more attention to, um, the discourse surrounding the show, but especially as it relates to 
uh, Hero pursuing Zero Two versus Ichigo pursuing Zero, a uh, hero. Oh yeah. Oh, that's actually a really yeah, yeah, yeah. you you gave it, me an idea. <laughs> the gender double standard. You gave me a really interesting idea. So we, we didn't have this written down, but I'll um, try my best to explain it. Um, so uh, I, I know there is, and, I, and I've actually yet to watch this full thing, but there's like a really influential um, uh, Darling into Frank's uh, analysis um, that kind of talks a little bit about like how uh, the change in direction um, affected the series. And I think... Uh, while it is noticeable, um, the fact remains that I don't think it is uh, such such a difference that the story from episodes 1 to 15 does not lead into this story from episodes 16 to 24. Right, I think um, there is still continuity there. Like, the, like the, the, the continuity of all of Frank's regressive themes are still present at the beginning of the show as they are at the end of the show. They're, they're like, mm -hmm. they build on each other, not the context. Um, in but, a sense, I think the trajectory, the, the, the beginning of the show presents an idea, mm -hmm. and it's possible for that idea to say, no, all of these gender roles are bad, and we need to go against it. But that's not the ideas Franks presents about those gender roles within the story, I think. Yeah, I mean, to be honest... <laughs> From the first episode where they talked about the Xi'an and like the male and female bird leading on each other, I, it, it's just <laughs> it was always going to be a story um, about like um, the wonders and the magic of like straight romance and baby making. Um, whether or not it was going to get to this extent of um, uh, we hate literally everyone who does not fit into this paradigm and they're all like useless to society and they're all like attacking um, our our values of um, of uh, straight baby making, I think perhaps is up to debate, but um, that general, uh, that general, uh, that general, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking out on words, but the, 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 the general um, uh, thrust and lionization of this type of relationship, I think has always been in Frank's. Um, but we were going to talk about uh, uh, the the double standard of like male uh, men yeah. expressing sexuality versus women expressing sexuality. So mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about um, Ichigo, right? Because when I watched Franks, um, I didn't hate Ichigo. Like I I went into Franks she was knowing, cool, actually. yeah, I went into Franks knowing that people hated Ichigo because um, she kissed Hiro at some point. That's all I knew. And to be honest, like the moment that that that, that uh, Ichigo kissed Hiro, like doesn't even register to me as like an important part of Frank's. <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter. Um, in, in terms of like the analysis of like what the show does, I think because it was always just like the kind of rival relationship in the love triangle. And, like, shows just have, uh, yeah, like, Ichigo is fine. Shows just have, like, love triangles because they think they need them. Like, a lot of stories do this. Um, essentially, uh, uh, for those who are less aware, um, Ichigo is also Hiro's childhood friend. 
Um, she she's not main girl, so obviously she doesn't end up with Hiro. Um, she likes Hiro. Um, there's this other guy, Goro, who likes her. Um, and then Ikuno also likes her. So it's like a love star. Uh, it's very painful. Um, but fans absolutely hated her. And there's a moment uh, in episode 14 where she heard that um, uh, Zero Two and Hiro kissed. So um, she tries to kiss Hiro too. To <laughs> Hiro too. She tries to also kiss Hiro so that she can have that same sort of connection uh, with Zero Two. That Zero Two has with him. But it like doesn't work, obviously, because like Hiro and Zero Two are like destined for each other or whatever. Right? But fans, they like fucking lost their shit over this. Like, like they actually lost their minds. Um, they um, fans, like uh, Japanese fans, um, Western fans, and Chinese fans apparently all sent like death threats to everyone who worked on Franks, telling them you should cancel your show, you should like you know go off yourself. I can't believe like you would allow Hero to, I mean Ichigo to do this, blah blah blah, this and that. And I, I just, I kind of wondered because up until Ragbo brought this up, I was like, how do I bring this into into the conversation like why do the weebs get so <laughs> get so pissy about this but then i kind of I, I just realized as we were talking like um it's because of the double standard that franks puts up right um in general because franks has like s- specific like built-in gender roles like um the idea of i think a woman being like the initiator of like sexual contact is like inherently unnatural to Franks. And one of the ways we know that is uh, before um, episode 15, when um, uh, Zero Two like resolves all their problems, she's very, very sexually forward with Hero. Like she's very, um, she's constantly trying to initiate sex when he like doesn't really know what it is. Um, he's, she's like very open like about her sexuality. She's very like domineering and dominant. But, like, in all of these scenes, these are, like, framed as, like, negative things. They're framed as, like, part of what makes her unhuman and part of what makes her, like, incomplete. And afterwards, she's, like, very, very, very submissive, right? She's, um, um, she's essentially, I mean, she's, she's Hero's wife, basically. They don't get married in the show. Um, but, uh she's she basically takes the role of like um hero second right um and likewise uh with uh likewise with um ichigo when ichigo is forward with hero um she's also punished both by the fan base but like also by the story which essentially says um you're not allowed to be with hero because you're not filling the proper role if hero wanted you he would come to you and he doesn't he wants zero too so there's that the end I, I went on for a bit, so I want Raghava to take it. I think yeah, I no, that I think is a pretty interesting and important point to understand about the way Darling the Franks treats of generals. But equally, I think interesting to me is the way in which Darling and the Franks presents its gender roles as you need the liberatory power of cis heteromantic love conforming to strict gender roles to free you from the repressive structures of gender abolition oh yeah which is i think yeah 
it's a terrible argument, but it's one of the most interesting arguments to argue for traditional gender roles. Because generally, the argument people will make, right, is they'll say, all of this new stuff is too complicated. We need to go back to the old ways when it was simpler. But Darling in the Franks frames gender abolition not as a villain of threat coming to take away your gender roles, but as the norms. So we need to somehow, you know, revolutionize the world in order to bring back housewives. <laughs> right. I think... And it's a very... I think that's such a terror. It's fascinating to me how Darling in the Franks frames it that way. And how odd of a position it is to take. And I think it makes sense. Um, I think it makes sense in the context of the way a lot of conservatives frame the world of like, you know, everyone these days is getting into quote unquote gender stuff or whatever. Oh, have you seen the, the meme that's like, um, it's like a conservative meme of like how many genders are there or whatever. And then like mm -hmm. there's the scientist who's just kind of nervous to answer behind the giant gun that is cancel culture in the background. Right. I mean, um, like, like, yeah, yeah but yeah. like it's like the conservatives who think that somehow like gender activists have like um, infiltrated like the highest levels of like society and they like run the world and like the poor innocent straights and sisters are the ones that are being <laughs> that are being oppressed um when it's like i mean just statistically this is not true like trans people are more likely to be houseless they're more likely to be poor like mm -hmm. they're right they're not represented in a ton of media and when they are there's always like a big drama out of it we we literally are just in the process of electing like and not to say that liberal representation is something that we're after but like we're, we we just started electing trans representatives in the united states and like on a global scale of course the idea of like trans people is still like that still gets you like killed in a lot of places so yeah to frame trans representation as somehow boring and old and to frame cis heteronormativity as a countercultural revolution? Yeah. What an inch. And Darling in the Franks isn't even the only that does this. I remember there was that game in. That I think I showed you. I will go find it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can keep talking, but there was this. Um, well, okay. So while you look for it, I'll just. Um, I think one of my one of my favorite moments watching Frank's. I mean. Ah. I found it. Okay, cool. Um, so you do it first, and then I'll go into that. But there was this Game for RPG site, actually, review of Haven, which they framed as an enjoyable romantic RPG, but uh, to quote from the article, it feels odd for the game to paint the sole homosexual representation as an antagonistic force against the freedom to love who you want to love. 
especially in an era where better LGBTQ plus representation should be pushed for. Yeah. Um, I will ping this to you so you can put it in chat. Yeah. Um, but I'll put it in chat. I think, and I'll yeah, put it gender, in the... And I think it's interesting how a lot of works written are able to frame non-heteroromantic relationships as somehow like oppressive or antagonistic to the freedom of loving who you want to love. I guess this is the same sort of philosophy that comes from someone who's like, oh no, all of these lesbian people are taking away all of the hot girls. Oh yeah, or like, um, or I, I don't know if I have a better... <laughs> Uh, example of like that. that's just such a like, like that's such like such a yuck take but a lot of or, people okay. do feel like that mm -hmm. or like uh i guess the the other t the other thing would be like um uh like elliot page came out recently and mm -hmm. a lot of people saying like a lot of like cis women being like uh can't we just we lost another like like lesbian right um, mm -hmm. so it's like pitting like trans people um, against like cis gay people and saying like oh well um it's bad for our community when this other community wins when it's like no it's not <laughs> it's not <laughs> like no you're just you're just wrong like i don't <laughs> i don't know how to say that um right the difference between like the freedom to love whoever you want and being entitled to other people's love is I think the nuance that occurs with Darling and the Franks here, right? Right, exactly. I was just gonna mention um, the wedding, right? So there's these uh, two characters, Kokoro and Mitsuru, who are, um, oh man, this also just brings up the fat phobia, but that's okay. We are like slowly running down the list of all the people um, that Darling and the Franks um, has like an intense hatred for. Um, but um, so uh, there are these two characters, Kokoro and Mitsuru, who are essentially ships for most of the series. Um, and their whole thing is that they want to get into a traditional marriage and have a baby the natural way, right? And so eventually um, uh, they get married, right? And they're just about to exchange vows and rings and stuff. And then the <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like the nines come in, like the people we mentioned earlier, along with like like a heavily armored police squad <laughs> to stop this wedding from taking place because we live in the dystopia in which like the non-binary gender police will stop you from marrying who you want <laughs> and having a child. <laughs> And let's just the, the melodrama of these people coming in with like guns to stop the only wedding that has happened in nearly like two centuries of the sh of the show's universe is just so it was so unbelievably ridiculous to me I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> but right. it is like and it's the... like it's it, it's it's especially appalling when you put it in contrast with like actual lesbian weddings or actual gay weddings which have had people with guns show up to yeah. interfere with them, right? In a world where real-world homophobia still exists, in a world where all of that is, like, it's not safe for gay people to marry each other, why is your idea of a wedding that pisses off the secret police a hetero one? Right. What's going on, Franks? 
it is um, just another way in which this idea of love being under attack is co-opted mm-hmm. because darling in the franks this idea of love is love that results in procreation and their idea of love being under attack is not gay people lesbian lesbian people non-binary people all people from the lgbt QIA plus spectrum feelings of attraction being under attack and repressed by society, it's, oh no, people aren't making babies. Yeah. That's darling in the Franks' idea of love is under attack. Yeah. And that's kind of... Um, it's fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up, but it's fucked up in a way that is very funny. <laughs> I don't know. I can't stop... <laughs> I... I'm not sure if it was, because I I think certainly before episode 15, there were a few moments here and there um, that I thought maybe weren't good, but where the show perhaps had promise. Um, I couldn't really name them off the top of my head. I can only really think of the negatives, (laughs) but they were some um, that sort of made me go, oh, okay, here's one. Um, The episode where uh, one of the kids... Uh, get stuck uh, living with like what the humans have become Um, and they're kind of like just these like immortal beings who like don't talk to their spouses and like live lives of like solitude and they get happiness from like the happiness chamber or whatever and they like don't really understand youth anymore and stuff like that because they've been living for so long I thought that in a different show could have been fun um, the idea of like, I think, like like a corporate mass-produced eternal happiness versus. I think Jack is just incredibly. It sums it up very succinctly. Oh, and yeah. Conservatives want to be oppressed so bad. They really do. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, and so there are like little moments like that that um, were not awful. Um, but they needed to be uh they needed to be like incorporated into 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 a story that works right into a story that is not just like um so openly fetishistic of like one specific kind of human interaction which is like um cis men and cis women get into a romantic relationship for the purpose of having children right which is like not even um i i think it's it's easy to 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 talk about like all like and not only easy but like probably the most important to talk about like all like the lgbt people that franks does not like <laughs> right simply because they do not fit in but i think it's it's important to it not as important but it is interesting to note that like this kind of gender essentialism also doesn't like you if you're cis and straight and still for whatever reason, don't fit into like the this paradigm of like uh, procreation I mean, is the most important. Thing. ace people, yeah, or like cishet arrow people. Like if like it, there is something like broken with you or like wrong with you if you're like like just not really into like. Or even if you like want to focus on your career and like not have kids, yeah. 
the story like doesn't like you or yeah um the robot getting in the or for making babies and if you can't i think you're gonna have to repeat that getting in the robot in darling in the franks is a metaphor for making babies and if you can't make babies or you try to make babies the wrong way you can't get in the robot and darling the franks hates anyone who isn't going to get in the robot so if you're gay and you're still willing to get in this metaphorical robot darling the franks is okay with you but like we mentioned in our latest critical weeb theory episode before this one it only accepts you insofar as you conform to yeah and also sterile people like yeah said. but darling the franks only accepts you insofar as you conform to strict heteronormative gender roles right it's very much that whole like don't ask don't tell yeah exactly and um where are we on the list we made some good we made some good headway oh okay so do we want to talk about uh how it fails is propaganda, but I, I kind of wanted to run. Um, I wanted to do a real f- quick thing on just how the show doesn't like <laughs> its one overweight character. Yeah, and then we can. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I'm I'm bad with names. Uh. Futoshi, was that his name? Yeah. 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 So. Okay. Futoshi. Right. Um, so Futoshi is, uh, he's one of the, like, he's one of the people in like the, the child soldier squad. Right. Um, and, uh, he happens to be overweight and I swear to, I swear on my Yeezys every single time, every single time the students in frame, he's like eating something. Right. And like every joke around this character is about him and food. And at, like the first couple of times it happened, I was like, "Okay, this is a, this is a thing that happens in some anime. That's fine." But it is in Frank's. It is like obsessive. It is. It is. It is. It is wild. Just how um, thorough uh, Frank's is like uh, uh, disgust for this one specific character is. It, like it. It really made me uncomfortable just watching the show. Um, uh, there's a point somewhere in the middle where, like, the people who run the child army, like, stop sending supplies to the kids for a little bit. And the dude, like, develops, like, an eating disorder. And it's just... <sighs> it never comes back again. So it's, like, not, it's not handled with, like, any of the kind of care or respect. Yeah, he has no, char- he has no character outside food. Um, there's, I, I think also the fact that, like, he was Kokoro's original partner, and he, like, loved her, but, like, Kokoro, uh, rejected him in favor of, like, like, a skinnier guy, Mitsuru. Like, I, I think it, it's hard, because in general, stories about people who like someone and then get rejected aren't really problematic, but... In the context of, like, Futoshi and just, like, how absolutely shafted he is by the narrative the entire time, I can't help but see see this as one, like, okay, so, like, not only um, 
not only uh because he's like the only character who's like more than willing to fit into like the like the the cis heteronormative like romantic uh paradigm of the show but he's still punished for it because he still has like a deviant body type and so that's like not enough the show says go 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 fuck yourself please mm-hmm. <laughs> right like just the, the narrow yeah framing like the narrow specificity of like what kind of person franks wants you to be otherwise you're ruining society is um honestly uh stunning um i think especially when looked at the lens of futoshi oh okay and, and i know i've been prattling but okay communism and then we'll get to the propaganda i promise right so, okay okay so verm they're like communists right <laughs> but they're okay. like well well i i, I think it's communist? um I think it's good to read. Must have a trad life. Yeah, the narrative won't let Futoshi have his trad wife. Um, but what makes uh, Verm a communist? I, I think I was watching the last couple episodes, and they talked about how, like, um, in their utopia, uh, everyone would be equal um, because there'll be no differences among people and like no suffering. And I'm like, yeah, okay, 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 okay. It's 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 communism, right? It, it's it's still it's, it's like the airmongering. Yeah. Um the idea of like a totalitarian uh, dictatorship that like promises uh, equality by snuffing out individuality and snuffing out um the differences and their gender roles that make us human um is uh definitely like communist fearmongering which kind of surprised me because it's like at the very, very end of the show. So the idea that this, that Franks had more steam to just hate more different kinds of people was very funny to me. But I think what's interesting is that if you look at the society that Franks creates, so basically um, what Franks does is that Soria says that like um, when it kind of chronicles how humanity got to the point where there's like gender police everywhere and like people have immortality and no one can reproduce. It kind of talks about like how corporate power led to this, led to the shift, right? It says um, corporations started offering um, immortality to the rich and then um, people started uh, uh, supporting uh, like eugenics programs basically for the poor. And then as this continued, eventually the entire world became immortal and like the poor just like languished in poverty until they all died off. Right. So there's that. So when Franks considers, all right, the post, um, the post dystopia society that it wants to build, the society that it builds is one in which um, people produce with according to their ability and they get, and they receive in accordance to their need in which um, goods are publicly owned, in which decisions are made collectively. Like, like the utopia that Franks posits is they indeed a communist utopia. Yeah. They it, even got rid of gender. Oh, no, no. They don't get rid of gender. All, all the women have, like, tons and tons and tons of babies. It's a communist society, but just um, women are consigned to just making babies forever. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the one... <laughs> is the one... Um, is the one caveat for that. So I just, I find it really, I, I think it's just like a testament of how conservatives, like, they will fearmonger about communism, but like, the intuitive understanding of what a better future would look like is indeed just communism. 
And even conservatives know that. What they're actually concerned about is like um, power over people. Like, okay, I, I'm, I, I'm really sorry. I've been talking. Like in Franks, like they've discovered how to make babies without actually using pregnancy, right? So if Franks wanted to argue that the only thing we need is more children, um, this technology would be a godsend. Finally, people who would otherwise not be able to have children can have children. But what Franks wants is not just people having babies, but like the specific limitations that come when you say that women need to like give birth and that women need to raise children. Like that's the specific thing. It so makes like, sense in the context yeah. of the propaganda, darling, and the Franks is trying to push, which is apparently convincing uh weebs that women should leave the workplace and make babies in order to solve underpopulation crises if i'm reading that correctly yeah it's it's a little bit weird. like if your only concern was that we needed kids and we needed people to raise them um would it not also make sense to like give a few kids to like the like like the gay couples and like the polycules and and other sorts of communities like because the i guess what i'm saying is that when conservatives say um they want people to have kids it's not just that they want people to have kids um it's the fact that you can use people having kids to control people which is what they actually want like they're perfectly okay with like the economic like equality of communism so long as the uh the rigid gender hierarchy is maintained they don't really care about the means of production at least this specific strain of like conservatism there's obviously plenty of conservatives who are very much interested in like maintaining capitalism and that sort of hierarchy as well but um franks is an interesting exception to that rule and looked at through that lens okie dokie so i'll let you take on uh propaganda for just a little bit all right um what is there to say about darling and the franks as propaganda that we haven't already said i think what i'm most interested in is does darling and the franks what is or i guess what is darling and the franks's idea of propaganda what world is it trying to sell people on and who is it peddling that fantasy for Interestingly, I think Darling in the Franks is a fantasy oriented towards a presumed male audience. That much is, I think, fairly obvious in its framing of its female characters and whatever, and the male fantasy. But then the question is, who is it trying to persuade? Is it trying to persuade its predominantly presumed male audience who is lonely that what they should get is a girlfriend and start making babies? But I guess what I'm trying to say is Dialing the Franks is sort of trying to cut out women in a conversation about having relationships and making babies and it's who are they trying to convince and to what end this is a question that bothers me mm -hmm. um 
yeah i i think what you said about like cutting out women from like a conversation about like relationships is really interesting because i well okay because what what frank does um is essentially it sort of argues that like it's strict like gender roles give people purpose like um the the um the gay girl ikno um the reason why uh she defends gender hierarchies from uh the nines and again like this is another example like pitting like non-binary people against like binary lgbt people but um but the reason why she gets so 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 upset about it is essentially that like um the fact that she loves women even if it's not directly useful to society like the the classification of herself as a woman even if like one that is like kind of not as useful is still like you know important to her but it sound it feels very much as like pushing that classification onto women it's like to the men you'll totally get this awesome uh trad wife who loves and respects you if only society cared about making babies again and then to the woman it's all well i, I promise you'll 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 find your purpose <laughs> I, I swear you know it'll happen <laughs> or maybe it's actually telling the men that this is what the woman will get to convince them as well i'm not really sure which one is which does that make sense There's a worse interpretation of zero two and the nines based around the context of Japanese social policies. Immigrants. Immigrants. That's a reading. <laughs> that is a take. I, I have not actually. I haven't really thought about Franks in terms of immigration quite as much of a, as I've thought about Franks in terms of like gender and sex. The reading is there, right? Yeah. These are aliens who are, I mean, like the Klaxosaurus are literally aliens who are not humans who are integrating into human society. Mm. If we say humans are a parallel for the Jap native Japanese population and Klaxosaurus are immigrants, then mm. those Klaxosaurus that conform to quote-unquote traditional Japanese values in big conservative scare quotes are that right yeah and actually if you think about it if you think about the ending of the show and how the classosaurs basically like um devote their lives to beating firm and then they just bury underground and kind of like die to like let the humans do whatever they want with the earth right so there's kind of a social expectation of immigrants to just sacrifice themselves for the glory of Japan and then like leave <laughs> so that <laughs> so that uh, Japanese people can go back to what they were doing right um so that's an interesting reading you you can you can find uh, reading after reading after reading um i guess the very last thing that we have to say and i guess we'll do a kind of open air conversation with chat and then we'll sign off for the year but um, I guess the, the last thing we have to say is that, like, whether it's Franks or, like, Conception, the one thing that really shocks us is how unappealing these shows make the thing that they're trying to make appealing. Like, like 
I'm a cis dude, right? And I and I do like women. Spoilers, shocker. Um, so presumably Franks is for me, right? Presumably Franks is trying to make the argument that I should have children, and I actually quite like children. I'm not I'm not one of the people who say like, oh, you know, don't have kids because climate change, right, or stuff like that. I I think kids are pretty cool, and I think they're very cute. Um. But when I watch Franks, it kind of makes me like never want to go into a relationship ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it just feels suffocating, right? The idea that like my relationship with my partner is like one of like control in which I just like use her body basically to like make a child. And that's like the entire purpose of my life. And the the idea that like, the only thing, the only way that I'm allowed to relate to this person is like through the context of a romantic relationship and through this and through that. And if you look the wrong way or you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing, then then you're actually a threat to like, stop, stop. It's like, I'm not sure um, what kind of argument for what the show presumably says it wants to do, uh, which is encourage like childbirth is actually being made with, like, restrictions and, like, rules and, like, regulations. This, this was the same thing with Conception. Like, in, in, in the episode of Conception that I watched, it was basically, like, the guy had to... He was basically forced to have, like, sex for the first time with a girl while everyone was watching and the fate of the world rested on their ability to make a child. And that's not romantic. <laughs> That's just suffocating endless pressure from society <laughs> to do something that you don't want to do, you know? And I don't know, I guess if you want, if you want people to enjoy relationships, and this is all relationships, like friendships, like gay relationships, straight relationships, whatever, like polyamorous relationships, if you want people to enjoy them, just let them. <laughs> don't. Like, I promise you, if you just let people be, children will be made. <laughs> it's a natural thing that happens. And if you give people the resources to raise those children and take care of them, instead of, like, condemning them with poverty and, like, climate annihilation, <laughs> they will do so happily and gladly. There is no need um, for this, like, excessive, like, nitpicking and pressure. Um in order to force people to do the thing that you say they want you want them to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess we turned this over to chat. Is there anything about Franks you wanted our opinion on? How are y'all feeling? I know chat is I think on a bit of a delay from where we are. Yeah. So we'll wait a bit to come in. Um, oh, right, the atheists. Oh, yeah, the, the show hates atheists um, because it kind of paints them as responsible for it. Uh, because it's like their atheistic science that allowed the immortality yeah. to become born in the first place. So, um, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's capitalism. Capitalism cares not about religion or a religion. It just makes what's profitable.
going for 75 minutes. Yeah. Oh. But... What else? Was there other little things? The part about the PC police <laughs> crashing straight weddings is still equally hilarious and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's even more disturbing when you consider that that's literally a worldview people have. Yeah, it, it's it is unfortunately very effective. Will um, there be more non-CWT content this year? Well, um, yes. There's a great video on the Misfit at Demon Academy. I'm. Yeah, at least that video. Um, the goal. The goal is that video, um, my video on Ethiopia, and the rest of Bullshit No Isha by the end of the year. Um, it's kind of ambitious, but that is the goal. Um, some form of that, of those four things, will be released by the end of the year. So there will be at least a couple of things. Um, would you watch? The, yeah, I would. Um, the thing is, it was it, this week was finals week for me, so I couldn't really commit to like um, a three-hour. Uh... Okay, let me actually answer a question. So, yes, there will be more non-CWD content before the end of the year. Um, I will. Why? I'm trying to make stuff happen, Ming, depending on how good and or bad they go. Yeah. Um, I will watch um, the Frank's analysis uh, at some point soon. Um, my my feeling is that while I, I I think while I maybe might pick up a couple of other things about the first fifteen episodes that I maybe didn't think of before. Um, if I'm honest, I don't really buy necessarily um, the idea that like Frank's could have been good. If the rest of the if the rest of the episodes after fifteen were like the same as the first fifteen, I think it still would have been because like the the logical conclusion of I think even like the politics of the first fifteen episodes is still like a lot of what ended up happening. Like like Zero Two's transformation from non human to human is still problematic, even if the Nines are not nearly as despised as they were. Um, like, to make a better Franks, you need to redo it from, like, the ground up, where it's not just, like, male bird and female bird need each other to survive, but, like, a more general commentary on, like, capitalism and how it commodifies relationships. Oh, yeah, like, the Misfit at Demon Academy has, like, no tension in it whatsoever. It has no tension. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't... And people write stories like this. Then, like, Will you ever believe that? Um, yeah, I mean, like... The the thing about it is that like um like for example like Kill a Kill does Kill a Kill like subvert fascism? 
Like, I don't really think so. I think it just does it normally, <laughs> right? So when you're like, uh, if you're saying like Franks could have subverted its politics like Kill a Kill did, it's like, yeah, it can. <laughs> and which is to say Kill a Kill failed to subvert its politics and Franks probably would have too. I don't know. I, I need to watch the analysis to... If hero is I agree. Would that fix? Um, no. I think is my answer. Uh, no, contextually, because underlying, right? It is just a birth metaphor that's going on in Darling and the Franks. So. In order for Hero to just be a female character, if you literally only changed Hero into a female character and changed nothing else, I think all of the problems are the same. If you want to have tried and reinterpret the story, then you need to change a lot more than just like one character's gender. If Hero is female, are, are you saying that like Zero Two would stay female? And their relationship would be like gay. Because that like changes... That doesn't change everything. But it changes quite a bit. Actually, I think that would just make the politics of the show entirely like incoherent. Because you would still have all of the, the gender essentialism stuff. But then like the, the main relationship would be like lesbian. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. But I, I think a version of Franks that could work is um hero is a girl zero two is also a girl um the story is actually about how this unprecedented um a female to female pair is actually very effective at fighting the franks and instead of being about zero two finding humanity it's about her finding community and the show ends at episode 15. i think that could be a really interesting version of darling and franks also and we don't just hate well, and instead of the show being about the importance of procreation, the show was about how maybe relationships that aren't built on procreation are still valid and important, right? Yeah. That's fun because fundamentally, unless you change the core thesis of Darling and the Franks, it's a shitty show with bad politics. Right. Um, and then even then, like, that's a scene again to, like, I think like the character and like writing problems I had, I do not, I do not like Zero Two. Like I feel like people make, uh, they make uh, like a false dichotomy between like Ichigo stands and like Zero Two stands. I don't really stand either. I, I think Ichigo did nothing wrong, but, but I don't like like her as a character. She's kind of eh. I, I just think she, <laughs> she, she didn't do the thing that would cause fans to send people death threats over it. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, gosh, where was I going with this? Um, fuck. I forgot. I was talking about Ichigo. And we we're talking about making Frank's gay. Mm -hmm. That's why we don't live stream. <laughs> um, but, gosh, man, I guess that thought is just lost forever. I mean, I don't know. Uh, 
someone would probably go back and like figure out what I was trying to say. But Rago, why don't you say a thing and I'll think about the thing that I was going to say. A thing I'm thinking about? Yeah. Yeah. What am I even thinking about? About Darling and the Franks? I think all of my Darling and the Franks thoughts are out. Okay. So I'll think about this a little bit more. Because I, I think it was an interesting point. Gosh, it just like left my I mind. I think we could come back to this in like a Twitter thread some other time. But I think my end logic is and will continue to be that you can't really change one of the things about Darling and the Franks. You need to sort of oh, rewrite it from the ground up in order to like make it work or make it have acceptable politics. And at a certain point, right, Darling and the Franks' metaphors are all built to be about one thing. So to have those argue the counter thesis, you need to change a lot. Now I remember, now I remember. Um, so um, basically what I was saying is that like the, all of the stuff that we said would like fix like the thematic issues with Franks. But like I think Franks, and we didn't talk about it much uh, in this episode, but like Franks also has like like character issues and like writing problems just like in general. Um, for example, yeah, I was talking about Ichigo. Like like I don't really like any of the characters aside from Goro, who is like a sidekick. And because he's sidekick, he doesn't really get a lot to do. Um, he apparently goes on a really cool and magical adventure at the end of the series, but we don't get to see it. So. Who cares? Um, the thing I was going to say is that um, Zero Two is actually super insufferable, <laughs> right? <laughs> because in an effort, I guess, to make her, like, not human in the first 15 episodes, like, her whole thing is just that, like, she doesn't care about other people and whether or not they live or die. Like, she literally just cares about, like, meeting her darling and like riding into Franks with her darling and like killing killing Klaxosaurus so she becomes human. And like while in, in her pursuit of that, she literally constantly puts everyone around her in danger all of the time. And anytime any of the other characters like, yo, Zero Two, can you like not literally almost kill us? She's like, they hate me because I'm not human. It's like, no, <laughs> they hate you. <laughs> Because when they're out in the battlefield, you almost got them killed. Like, what? Right, so you need to fix that, too. And, like, make Zero Two not just, like, an abject person. Like, a lot of people say, like, oh, well, she was going through trauma or whatever. But, I mean, trauma doesn't, like, excuse putting other people in danger. That, that's the one That's the one thing you gotta, like, keep in mind. Yeah, Ichigo and Goro are pretty... They're, Goro, I think, especially, is, like... He's a solid character. I liked him. And I liked how he liked Ichigo. Um, sucks that Ichigo didn't like, like him back, but, you know, what else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you know, that's basically all the it here. Yeah, we can call it. Uh, you want to sign up? Yeah, this is cool. Thank you all for showing up and hanging out. Um, I'm Raghavan. My pronouns are anything other than he or she. And I'm Mo, he, him, his. Uh, hopefully I can get some of that stuff for the end of the year. Um, love you lots. Uh, and we'll see you. Oh. Oh, I don't have a Patreon end card. Okay. I'll just read out all my patrons. Uh, you can do that. Yeah. 
Okay, hold on. Let me. I got the moment. So I, I guess thanks a special lot uh, to Layla, Emmer, Neil, Fukubi, Minerva, Jack, W, Melon Soda, Salvation Army, Chase, Spooky, um, Darcyrax, Farah, and I guess Rogvo, you are a patron of mine. You support the show. Um, <laughs> although at this point, I feel like it's a mutual investment. <laughs> But thanks to all of you so much uh, for supporting us. And if you'd like to um, help us, uh, we're probably going to be on some podcasting service starting next year because we do have the funds for that now. Thanks so much. Um, Yeah, if you'd like to support us, I'll have a Patreon link in the description. Uh, Outside of that, thanks for showing up and we'll see you next time. Uh, let me end...